this genuinely is my favorite chapter. St. John chapter 3, 1, and we start at verse 1. He says, there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews, really smart guy. Uh, the same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi, we know that thou art a teacher come from God. We know you from God. For, because no man can do the, these miracles that do, that thou doest, except God be with him. No one could do the things you have been, we've been seen and has been witnessed in this area unless it was God. So we know that the things that you're teaching in the temple have to be from God. The witness is God's. This is, this is what we've seen. This is a ruler of the Jews who's convinced this man is from God. And he's come to him in the middle of the night and has just laid this out on him. We know that you're a ruler. We know you're a teacher. And what is Jesus' response? Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, or truly, truly, I say unto you, unto thee, except a man be born again, <laughs> he cannot see the kingdom of God. It's a statement to a question, it's an answer to a question that isn't even being asked. But you know what is the question? Our lives. When we present our lives before God, it actually is a question. How can I get out of this? How can I get out of the tomb? How can I get out of the darkness? <laughs> our lives are a question for which Jesus is the answer. Our lives are a living question. And we're trying to solve the question, but we are part of the question itself. And so we have to understand that we can't find the answer necessarily in the question, in our own lives, in our own confusion. We have to find the answer somewhere else. That's in Jesus. So what does Jesus say? He says, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of, of, of God. Nicodemus has the reasonable response, and this is what he says. Nicodemus saith unto him, how can a man be born when he is old? <laughs> I've already been there, I've done that, I've been a child, I've been a babe in arms, I've done that. I am now a fully grown adult. How are you expecting me to be born again? What are you talking about? How? This man's, in the presence of Jesus, this question keeps asking him questions. This one who doesn't know the answer keeps asking, how? How is that possible? How can I be born again? He says, can he enter, this is the most preposterous idea, but this is the limits of his thoughts said, can I enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born again? Absolutely not. <laughs> Let's just get that one out of the way. It's not possible to be born again in that way. And to be frank, even if you could be, it wouldn't solve the problem. It wouldn't answer the question. <laughs> like even if you could reset, because some of us are, are in situations right now, we're saying, man, if I could know the answer to this question a year ago, I'd have fixed this situation. Like if I could have got out of this, I would have done it diff so much differently. But you want to know the honest truth? If most of us reset our lives a year ago, we would probably make the same mistakes over again. Nicodemus is saying, can I fix my life by being literally go back to my mother's womb? And Jesus is saying, the answer's not because you think you can do it, fix yourself better by doing it over again. The answer is you don't have to be born like you were. You've got to be born into something new. 
That's what rebirth is. It's not being having a second chance of the flesh. It's having the first chance in the spirit. Like, I'm telling you right now, if you take an exam and you mess up and you flunk, right? Um, you, you, you get terrible grades and you don't do any more study and they say, okay, yeah, you can retake the exam. I'm in no better position than when I took it the first time. I need to do something different when I am presented with the same set of questions. I've got to go back and study. Jesus is saying, don't be reborn into the flesh because your flesh will make the same set of mistakes. You've got to have a new answer to that. So what does Jesus say? Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water. He's giving him the answers to the question here. He's giving him the answers to the exam that he's been failing. Except, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a man be born of water and of spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. I absolutely love that he's reset this. And what I love about this moment is that um, Nicodemus is looking for an answer in the flesh. He's looking for a thing he can do. He's a Pharisee. That's exactly how he has got where he's got. By building up not just the Moses laws, but a whole other set of laws and said, if I follow these laws, I'm going to be the one who's okay. And Jesus is letting him know that even if you do all of those things, that's not a fix for you. Because the problem isn't your habits. The problem is that you are in the flesh and it's weak by nature. Before I continue, I need to reset on another scripture I want to share this morning. It's in Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6. This is a letter from Peter to the Roman church. And he's talking about this idea of rebirth in, to the Roman church as well. Regeneration. That's what I want to talk about this morning. Is how can I go from being alienated from God to being with God? How can I go into have a life that's contrary to what God wants to one that is aligned with what God wants like how do I make the first step that's what I'm talking about these last few weeks how do I take that first step what do I need and this Romans chapter 6 really kind of helps us inform that he says in Romans chapter 6 verse 1 what shall we say then actually Romans 5 is it important? Because what he's just said is, he's given you a full explanation of something that's just happened before. He explains in Romans chapter 5 that the reason why we're in such terrible situation is because of Adam. Yes, yes, sir. That's right, that's right. Now, people who know me and who know my father and who know my father's father would, would probably see some recognition. They would look at me and Sonia and say, okay, I see you're related to them. Eh, it's around the eyes, it's around the nose, it's around the lips. You've, you've, you've got some inherited things. What Romans 5 does is tell you, hey, you've got some inherited things from Adam. But the problem with the inherited things from Adam is you've never redressed that problem. You've kind of got inherited something from Adam and everybody got it. <laughs> Like it's not around the eyes, it's not around the nose, it's not around the lips, it's around sin. And you've, you've all inherited this. And it doesn't matter how much things you do that are good today, you still haven't addressed that original problem you inherited from Adam. And so he says in, in Romans 5, he says, the way you fix that 
is by grace in God. You don't do it by saying, I'm going to do 10 really good things today. And because I only did two the day before, two bad things the day before, I'm eight in the positive. (laughs) Simple mathematics. No, no, not quite. You're still in deficit. In fact, the way that the scripture describes it, you're so in debt at the moment of your birth that even if you worked and did all the good things all your life, you still couldn't get out of debt. So how do we get out of debt? The scripture tells us by grace are you saved. What is grace? Another word, another kind of uh, religious word. I want to get that one really explained down and it's as simple as this. Grace is the unmerited or the undeserved favor of God. It's something you get that you didn't earn. (laughs) Grace of God is something you get even though you didn't deserve it. So let's say it's, it's Christmas. Say it's my birthday. <laughs> I might expect a gift, but I didn't earn it. <laughs> my, my parents didn't say to me, well, you know, um, you need to make sure you work in order to get the gift. No, they just said, here, here's a gift. And even if I was awful all year, they still get me gifts. That's grace. Right? That's unmerited favor. So that's where we stick with verse 6. Sorry, chapter 6, verse 1. Needs to explain that. Chapter 6, verse 1 now. He says, what shall we say then? Paul is saying, what shall we say then about grace? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? Shall we just, shall we just rely on grace then? Shall we just continue sinning because we've got this thing called grace, this unmerited favor? No. He says in verse 2, God forbid that you would rely on grace just so that you could keep sinning. That's not the way it works, okay? Verse three, know ye not that so many as you who as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. We're getting onto this rebirth thing here. Now you're starting to see the mechanics of this. This is the how, this is the why and the how Nicodemus was asking in chapter three of St. John. He says, how does this work then? Do I enter my mother's womb? No. He says, you're going to be reborn through baptism. Let's look at that again. It says, know ye not that so many as you that were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. So just like he died, when we are baptized, there's a part of us that dies. (laughs) In order to be reborn, something has to be die like I can't be reborn while I'm still fully alive so if we want to have a new relationship one that doesn't rely on our sin that we've inherited from Adam we have to die from that life and have a new life with Christ (laughs) verse 3 again know you not that so many as you that were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death Therefore, verse 4, we are buried with him in baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead. Oh, wait a minute. So Christ was essentially raised from the dead, had life, went to the grave, reborn. The same thing is happening for baptism. (laughs) Baptism is basically saying you've got a life before and that one was with Adam. I need you to get rid of that old life and have a new life with Christ. 
You see, I inherited everything from Adam, just like I inherited it from my dad and my grandfather and his father before him. I inherited everything from Adam. I've now died from that. <laughs> I don't know, if, when my father passed, we had a whole kind of, whole thing, shebang with trying to get the will settled, everything, you know, the house settled with the home. It was so much work. It was so incredibly difficult. Goodness me, get a, a kind of, Get that situated, get this kind of stuff situated. Yes. It was so difficult, and I'm telling you this, why? Because as soon as my father died, every single debt that he had became the debt that we had. Yes. Yes. It's just the way it is. Yes. He had some assets, he had some debts, and we had to figure out the balance and then go from there, yes. right? That's the way it worked. But they're not looking for him to settle the debt. He's passed. Right? They're not looking for him to settle the debt because he's passed. Now, I'm saying we've inherited all this stuff from Adam, right? <laughs> but I'm saying no one's looking for me for it because that one is dead. That version of me is dead, according to scripture. When I went in baptism, no one can ask me about the thing I inherited from Adam because I've died from that. <laughs> as far as they're concerned, that man is dead. That version of Mark Downey is dead. <laughs> so let's, look, let's keep looking. Verse, 30, verse 4. Therefore we are buried with him in baptism unto death, that like as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in what? Newness. Newness of, that's rebirth right there. Newness of life is a new life, debt free. Boy, oh boy, would I like that right now. <laughs> boy, oh boy, would I like that right now. Wouldn't you like a reset on the debts you've accumulated in life? I mean, I mean the cash money de -re reset, right? I would love that. <laughs> Doesn't work that way for life, but it certainly works that way for the spirit. I get to reset all the accumulated debt from Adam till now with baptism. Huh. You wonder why baptism's necessary? Because I can't pay off that debt. I just can't. And the Lord's saying, by grace you're saved, but you've got to have, you've got to believe on me. Let's go back to St. John. I'm going to come back to Romans in a second. But let's go back to St. John just for a second. And he says, verily, verily, I say unto you, and this is Jesus speaking to Nicodemus, right? He said, except a man be born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God, right? He's saying, look, you need to reset some things and you've got to have a new life. And he says, that which is born of flesh is flesh. That which is born of spirit is spirit. Marvel not, or don't be surprised when I say to you, you must be born again. So he's basically saying, look, the, the flesh gave birth to flesh, and there's no way to fix the problem in flesh. But if you are reborn in spirit, you fix that which was in the, stuck in the flesh. <laughs> it's all connected, you see that? So he says, verse, I want to, to jump down to verse 8. He says, the wind blows wereever it listeth. That, who, that thou hearest the sound thereof, but can't, cannot tell when it comes from, and whether it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said unto him, how can these things be? How? Another question of how. 
It's a really good question. How can these things be? And look what Jesus' response were. He says, art thou a master of Israel and knowest not these things? There are people with relationships with the Lord that don't know this. And we shouldn't be embarrassed to, 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 to say or repeat this because literally he's talking to a master of Israel who doesn't get it. He's talking to a master teacher and he doesn't get it. And Jesus goes on to say, Verily I say unto thee, we speak that we know, and testify that we have seen, and ye receive not our witness. If I told you earthly things and ye believe not, how shall you believe if I tell you of heavenly things? And no man hath ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven, even the Son of Man which is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the man, son of man be lifted up. And listen to verse 15 and 16. This is the strength of our gospel and salvation. That whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. He is equating this rebirth to everlasting life. He has he is told Nicodemus, hey, look, I know you've come to me and you've come to me as a teacher and you've come to me as a student and I get what you're saying. But I need to reset here and realize that it's not about the law you're keeping, it's about God's grace towards you. So the actions I have to take, if I believe in the grace of God, if I believe in his love and his salvation, he says that this, he says that whosoever believeth in him what have I got to do in this equation? Believe. That's my part of the equation. Believe. <laughs> it says, for God so loved, that's the his part of the equation. God loved the world that he gave his son. Now, I could try to give my life to fix this problem. That's not what he asked me to do. He asked me to believe. So I could say to myself, yep, I'm going to feed you know, the poor, I'm going to take care of the stranger and the foreigner, I'm going to make sure that you know, um, I'm giving as I'm supposed to give, I'm going to make sure that I am generous and charitable to all the people on the yes. earth, and all those things will be positive, yes, but they won't help my salvation unless I believe. You know the thing about believing? You know you can tell somebody believes you when they do something with the thing you tell them? Have you heard the story of the boy who cries wolf? The story of the boy who cries wolf is this. He tells them there's a wolf coming too many times and he's just joking with them. And he tells them the story again. There's a wolf coming, there's a wolf coming. And there's no wolf. And the people get tired of acting like it's an emergency. And then finally, a wolf shows up. And this time, they don't respond. Because if they'd have believed him, the, f the fifth time, <laughs> they would have got up and moved. So what is it that, the way to show whether somebody believes you or not isn't what they say, it's what they do. So he that believeth, as we go back to Mark chapter 16, 15, I think it is, Mark 16, 15 says, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. You see that? The belief is connected to what you do. So let me go back to chapter 6. Do you find that? Is that? Did I find the right one? Yes, sir. Can you read that for me, Mark? 16, 
16? I think it's 1615, yes, I believe. Sir. St. Mark 1615. Did I read that one right? He that believeth. Yes, sir. And is baptized. And is baptized. Shall be saved. That's, a, that's, that's the thing that connects your belief yes. to what you do. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. You see what I mean? Um, St. John chapter 6, th 316 says, what now? For God so loved the world that he gave his begotten son. This tells you there's two sides to this. God investing in us with his son. We are investing in God with our belief. To me, this seems like a one-sided contract where he does all the paying and all I do is say yes <laughs> if somebody was going to pay all your debts tomorrow and all you had to say was yes like that's one-sided that's not even fair am I robbing you that's what the relationship we have with the Lord is he says I'll pay everything you've just got to believe you just got to say yes you just got to be okay with this <laughs> What love he has for us. Let's go back to Romans just for a second here. I just want to finish up in Romans. I'm not going to be before you much longer here. Romans chapter 6, verse 3 says, Know ye not that so many of you as were baptized into Jesus were baptized unto his death. You actually were more associated with his death in your baptism. Therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so should we also walk in newness of life. We've got a new life waiting for us on the other side of baptism. Debts before that are paid off. <laughs> the scripture refers to Jesus as the second Adam. <laughs> that we, re we inherited all, everything that's bad we inherited from Adam. Even the good things we inherited from Adam, but the bad things too. And it says actually in, in, um, in Romans chapter five, even though we didn't sin the same way Adam did, even though it says after the similitude is what the word he uses, one of those old King James words, um, the similitude of, of, of Adam, we didn't sin the same way he did, but we get to inherit it anyway. <laughs> And he refers to Jesus as the second Adam because when we go down in baptism and come back up, we're no longer connected to, I'm not related to him anymore. <laughs> I'm now related to the second Adam. The second Adam has life. The first Adam has death. After, that's not mine. I'm connected to the new Adam. So it says, for if we had been planted together, verse 4, therefore we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we should walk in newness of life. Verse 5, for if we have been planted together, now we've gone from a burial planting and, and planting and growing to a kind of more talking about plants, talking about seeds being put in the ground. Because there's a certain kind of faith you have to have to put a perfectly good seed that could maybe be used to grow more wheat, you've got to take that good seed, put it in the ground, and hope that something's going to come out. Right, right. So it's about that seed planting really does 
speak to salvation too. I'm hoping that when I go down in that baptism, there is a new life waiting for me on the other side of that. You, you see that? He says, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. Verse five, excuse me. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. <laughs> so just like he got up, we're getting up. But there's something new about me when I get up. Something different. Something reborn. Something remade. <laughs> it's like, I did it last week and I'll say it again this week. You can't teach a human to be comfortable underwater. Can't do it. I've looked at the record of, the, of, of how long somebody can stay in water without equipment. It is 21 minutes. You can hold your breath. The, the world record is 21 minutes. <laughs> After, on the 22nd minute, that guy better be at the, at the surface of the water because he can't train himself to, to breathe air out of water. It's not possible. It's impossible, completely impossible. The same way that without this rebirth, you can't just get used to being underwater. You just can't, okay, I'll just figure it out. I, I will myself into it. No, you have to have new types of lungs to be underneath the water. You can't will yourself into it. And I, I, I know there's going to say, well, I, I think I'm a fish. No, you are not a fish. You better get out of the water and get you a breath. And people are going to say to me, well, I'm a really good person. I believe you. I absolutely believe you. I'm a really good person. And that is correct. You just need to start digging in the right direction so that you can be in line with the Lord. Yes. <laughs> I don't know if anybody, I remember I was going on my way to one of the first times I was going to Detroit to visit my in-laws, my parents. And um, I told them, I was on the way, and I think it's the 270 that turns and goes, is it the 270? Um, I think we ended up kind of going the wrong direction. I told them I was on the 270. 275, that's the one, yeah. 275, I told them I was on the 275, and I, I think I may have said I was going east rather than west. Right now, I was on the right road. But if I was going in the wrong direction, it didn't matter that I was on the right road. And I'm telling people, you, you're on to 275, but you've got to make sure you're going in the right direction. Like, don't do this by yourself. Don't try to pay off it. If somebody comes to you and tells you today, I'll pay your house off, don't question. <laughs> don't question how they're going to do it. That's not your business. Just get them that mortgage account book and let them pay it. <laughs> you're worried about the detail. I'm not worried about the how. Get it paid. Yes. Get your debt paid. Anyway, let me go back to the scripture. Verse 6, knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him. This is what he's talking about, this old, this old man. That the body of sin might be destroyed. That henceforth we should not serve sin. We don't have to serve our old nature. That old person because of baptism. For he that is dead is freed from sin. The same way, no one's looking for Jelf Downey to pay any debts. They would have to look for me, right? That's just the way it goes. 
Uh, you can't look for the old me to pay an old debt. I've been made new. I'm so grateful for the way salvation works. One of the two, two, you may be wondering, well, how and why? That's the Nicodemus uh, response. All I can say is that Jesus paid my debt. Like, if you take somebody who's absolutely innocent, <laughs> if you take somebody that's absolutely innocent and take their lives, the question for me is, how do you pay that back? Right? That's the real question. And then more importantly than just paying back, you have to pay back the one who's eternal. Like, so for example, if, if I were to be, you know, if a person were put into jail inappropriately, they were innocent and they were accidentally put in jail, and they spent 10 years in jail, you may say to yourself, well, he would have made 50,000 a year. And, and, you know, for 10 years, that's maybe 500,000. We owe him for the being captured and put in jail inappropriately 500, that's your compensation. That's probably not, still not correct because he didn't have his freedom, right? Uh, it's not correct because he missed time with his family. Yeah. It's not correct because all the experiences, so let's, let's, let's quadruple it. Let's say now we owe him two million, right? For 10 years, two million dollars, okay, fine. How do you do this for Christ? When he was from the beginning? How do you pay back taking Christ's innocent life when he was the one who created heaven and earth? How do you pay back Christ when he spoke a word? The scripture says in, the, in John chapter 1, in the beginning was the word and the word became flesh. <laughs> How do you pay him back? You know what he said I'm going to do with all this payback death owes? He says I'm going to go after and redeem you. I can go after millions of lives and pay their debt. And that's what I love about Jesus. The debt that was owed him, he gave it to me. And that's what salvation is. And the only thing he asks is that you believe and that you be baptized. I love this salvation. Amen. I love this salvation. This is, this is, this is the Lord making it as easy for us as possible. The scripture says again in Mark chapter 16 and 15, he that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. May the Lord add a blessing to this word in the name of the Lord Jesus.